Well, welcome to lesson number one on financial stewardship, and this is called Stewardship Define. But before we jump into this, something I'm going to say probably every session for the next eight weeks so that we hear it over and over and over and over again is that without a budget, and a budget is the number one way you're going to be a good steward, without a budget, your life will not prosper or be promoted like God wants it to be. Without a budget, it is going to be spiritually impossible for your life to be prospered and promoted the way God wants it to. Uh, A budget is very much a legalistic letter of the law that will help you flourish. The opposite of budget is lawlessness. Because without a budget, you spend what you want to spend. Without a budget, you just do what you want to do. Now, budgets aren't just for money. You can also have a time budget. You have to budget your time. And whatever you don't budget, whatever you don't have a budget for will grow reckless, wild, and eventually die. Uh, You can also have a calorie budget. If you don't have a calorie budget, you'll get big as a house or you'll uh, die of starvation. So you have to have a, a calorie budget or a fitness budget, if we call it that. And this applies to every arena of life, not just you personally, but it'll apply to you on your job. You gotta have a time budget on your job. If you oversee money on your job, or like when I used to do uh, work in the engineering realm, we had to, uh, we had to budget our, our money that we had budgeted aside for so many hours in the field, so many hours with the drillers, so many hours in the laboratory. How much money did we have set aside for laboratory testing on all the samples we collected? We had to watch all of that. How much money have we got left? We'd even, sometimes we just, we just run tests just because we had the money left over, just to see what else we wanted to know about this soil horizon or rock, whatever. And this applies to every area of life because without a budget, you're just gonna blow the tendencies of the flesh. You're gonna eat what you want to. You're gonna buy what you want to. You're gonna just sit around and do nothing. A budget will cause your life to prosper and flourish. Without it, you're just tossed with the wind. Without it, your entire being is a bag with a hole in it. And God could keep putting stuff in there, but it's just going to be wasted. So I'll probably say what I just said every session for the next seven sessions so we realize how important it is to have a budget and really just have a self-controlled life. If you have a business and you don't have a budget, your business will not go any further than it has already not gone. Amen. And sadly enough, the heathen are more wise than the church. Your Fortune 500 companies, how many of them do you really think are owned by born-again Christians? Not very many. How many, that means, how many are owned by pagans? All of them, for the most part. And yet they understand this thing called a budget. And so, uh, unfortunately, Jesus Christ was accurate. Now, not unfortunate that he was right, but the statement is unfortunate that the children of darkness are in their generation more wise than the children of light. That's an indictment against us. So you as a business owner, you must have a financial budget. You, as someone who has money in your pocket, you must have a budget. How else can God see fit to trust you with more money? God gives you as much money as he trusts you with. And if you don't know where it's coming or where it's going, don't expect any more to come or go because God does not reward foolishness. Amen? Amen. He loves us, but it doesn't mean he trusts us. And he wants to prosper us. But it doesn't matter how much you faith or believe or call or speak without a budget. He's not going to cause it to come to you because what will you do with it? Amen. All right. So stewardship defined. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 26. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The earth belongs to God and everything in it. Amen. And you know what? One of these days he's going to destroy it. 
because it's his and he can. We don't have to worry about global warming. He's gonna melt this thing with the countenance of his face. And don't worry about overpopulation. Uh, that's kind of the new thing, overpopulation. The very first commandment was be fruitful and multiply. The Hebrew word is swarm. Be fruitful and swarm the earth. All right, we can do that. Amen. Notice it's only these weird communistic regimes that limit how many children you can have. That in middle-class yuppie America. Amen. All right, now we don't want to go too far down that road. Because you know, children are an inconvenience and children are expensive. And what will I do for me if I can't, if I have more children? And I, yeah, I understand we barely take care of us because we have no budget. I was talking with Miss Kate and she, we were talking about just overseas, the mindset's different. They have children and God will provide. Here we're so intellectual, we don't need God, we have intellect. I'd much rather be ignorant concerning the university's education and trust God than be edumacated and have, be faithless. I'd much rather just say, ah, oh, God will take care of it. I can't tell you how many Africans have said that to me overseas. Oh, God will provide. And he always does. And over here we wring our hands and nothing happens. Everything on the earth belongs to God. These things are his and he has chosen to share them with us so we might enjoy them. Praise God he likes to share. Be good if some of us learn how to share. When these things are given into our possession, we automatically become stewards over them. So anything your life touches, anything you might legally call mine, anything you're responsible for automatically is a stewardship. And you need to know you're going to be judged for your stewarding ability. There are so many parables that we'll cover uh, over the course of the next few weeks that talk about stewardship and being an unjust steward. The, the Bible's full of this from start to finish. The very first thing God did in the beginning was he made man and he put him in a garden and he taught him stewardship. He taught him to keep and tend the garden. And apparently it was so much work he needed to help her. So stewardship is very much part of marriage too. I really, really, uh, I grit my teeth and I, I shake my head at this whole American his and hers stuff. His account, her account. His stuff, her stuff. Now, thank God there's his clothes and hers clothes because we're not transgender. <laughs> Amen. But this whole his and her stuff, you're not even married. You're just roommates. When I was in college, we had buddy shelves in the pantry. I think mine was in the middle. Uh, Cliff's was on the bottom. And who was the other roommate at the time? We had so many roommates, uh, either Michael Vaughn or another guy. And so we had everything separated. And God help you if you ever cross the demilitarized zone to take some peanut butter <laughs> or some cheesy crackers or something. But Stewardship in a marriage and in, with among your children, you have to teach your family, this is the God's, this is the Lord's, we all take care of it together. And you don't, it's only a prideful, arrogant thing in a marriage where you have his and hers, his and hers money, grow up. His and hers accounts, grow up. Don't you share the same last name? Don't you share the same bed? Doesn't the Lord call you one flesh? So doesn't he see you as one? So stewardship is combined. When these things are given into our possession, we automatically become stewards over them. And that's why we've got to teach for several weeks so we understand stewardship. What does it mean to be a steward? So what is stewardship? A steward is defined as a person who manages another's property 
or financial affairs. It's also defined as one who administers anything as the agent of another or others. So in short, it means it's never really yours. You just have to take care of it like it is. The clothes you're wearing aren't really yours. They belong to God. We're doing our best to teach Lydia that right now. And she'll, she'll snatch something away from Abigail and say, that's mine. And mama or I will jump on her and say, no, ma'am, that belongs to Jesus. That's Jesus's toy and he just loves you enough to let you play with it. And so if Abigail wants it, she can have it too. And so we're trying to put that in our three-year-old so she doesn't become stingy. We know these clothings, this clothes that we wear is not ours because at any moment the Lord could say, take it off and give it to them. And you'd have to obey. Because ultimately the Lord owns it. It's his to tell you what to do with. And if you could ever get a hold of that, you'd never cling to anything like it would save your life. Really, this whole possessive stuff, it makes us so selfish. If you realize that every dollar in your account belongs to God, he could clean you out tomorrow and you wouldn't have a problem with it because he knows what he just did to you. And he'd have to bring more. Amen. It's when we uh, start getting very possessive like selfish carnal Americans that we really dry up what God wants to do in our life. We will define stewardship as taking possession of something and caring for that thing as though it is yours, knowing full well that it is not yours and that you will one day have to give an account for those possessions. This message, in my opinion, is very critical for Middle Tennessee because we're very poor in this region. We don't even know how to take care of our teeth. We don't know how to take care of our bodies. We don't know how to take care of our cars. We don't know how to take care of our animals. Uh, This is a poor region. Poverty is not just a dollar amount, it's a mindset, but one of the big heartbeats behind poverty is laziness. Poverty is manifested first and foremost by laziness. Now, I've been to Africa a lot, and uh, most of the countries I've been to in Africa are considered third world. They are fiscally poor, but they are not poor in spirit. They are hardworking people. Those folks will turn a profit, they'll sell a belt, they'll sell bags of water because they are not lazy people. They got Middle Tennessee whipped. Now, they may live in a, a dung hut or a grass hut or a mud straw hut, but they'll be selling something out of the back end of that to make money. I've never seen so many entrepreneurs in my whole life. You go drive down the street of Nigeria, they're just, everybody's got a little shack set up selling something, buying, selling, and trading, trading, selling, and buying, or some combination thereof. Poverty, though, is defined by, as laziness. Stewardship takes work. A budget takes work. And though you can make $100,000 a year without stewardship, without a budget, you are poor. Amen. All right. Hopefully it will not be this dead or quiet for the next seven weeks because (laughs) preachers do better when there's a good response. Amen. First Corinthians 4, 7 says this, for who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? There's not a single thing you have you didn't receive. You could say you made something for yourself, but where'd you get the wood? God grew it in a forest somewhere. Where'd you get the tools? God gave them to you. Where'd you get the skill set? Where'd you get the breath that you breathed while you made the thing? Amen. Now, if you did receive it, why do you glory as if you have not received it? Everything we have been given, have, has been given to us. Therefore, We are expected to be stewards over everything in our lives. That includes everything. I'm hardcore on this. You've got to take care of everything you've got. Your shoes, take care of anything you you saw fit to buy. At the same time, I would encourage you that when you go to buy something, don't just buy junk. That's not good stewardship. Pastor Ingolf, our German friend, 
He said, I'm too poor to buy junk. So every time he comes, you know, he's German. He's wearing Louis Vuitton. I'm not a big fan of Louis Vuitton. He's wearing uh, Prada. I'm not a big fan of Prada. But he said, in my country, there is no Walmart. He said, he was just kind of translating it to dollar amounts. He said, there's the cheap stuff that's $100 for some shoes. And then there's the, the nice stuff, which is $180 for some shoes. Why would I not just buy the nicer stuff? Because, and he taught me this, and it, it's all true. He said, if you buy cheap stuff, you'll replace it five times. Amen. So why not just save up? Well, because you don't have a budget, for one. Why not just save up and buy the nice stuff to begin with, and it'll last you 20 times longer? And so, uh, you know, we can be uh, penny pinchers to spend money on junk and replace it five times, or we can save up, but that takes work and diligence and stewardship and buy nice stuff that looks nice, that has some notoriety about it, and it lasts a thousand times longer. Amen. All right. I can tell I'm plowing in middle Tennessee. I just hit rocks and stuff. And we are expected to be stewards over everything in our lives. Stewardship in the beginning. From the beginning, God desired for man to be a steward over his earth. Genesis 2, verses 5 and verse 15. And every plant of the field before it was in the earth and every herb of the field before it grew, for the Lord God had, caused, had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was not a man to till it, to work it, to serve the ground. And the Lord God took the man and he put him in the garden of Eden to dress it, to work it, to serve it, and to, to keep it, to guard it, to protect it, to preserve it. So I'm expounding on some of the Hebrew language there. Uh, Adam was placed in God's garden to be a steward over it. The garden was God's, but Adam was responsible for it. We see this from the very beginning of our Bible. He was to work it, serve in it, guard it, protect it, and preserve it. There was stewardship from the very beginning. So we understand part of stewardship includes working something, serving something, guarding something, protecting something, preserving it. That's stewardship. This is not just money, but that, that's a big part of it. Your body your marriage, your children, your friendships. You know your friendships require stewardship? Your vehicles, all your possessions, your computers. You, you know, if you have a laptop, don't eat Cheetos while you're working on it and turn everything orange, you know, and then you get all the crumbs and the gunk in there. I, Mr. Marlin works at computers. I'm sure he's seen some pretty nasty keyboards. I mean, come on, take care of this stuff. How hard is it to wash your hands before you use a keyboard? I mean, there's no reason the keyboard should look like a truck stop rest, restroom, you know? Boogers smeared everywhere. And... Amen. Take care of it. It only costs you $1,500. I mean, it, people complain about how much a computer costs, and then they treat it like it was five bucks at Walmart. It's poverty. That's poverty. That's laziness. Lazy. Lazy. You know how anal I am? I actually take my watch off when I work on my laptop because I don't want it to scratch it all up. That might be a little excessive, but my computers last a long time. And they look brand new when I'm done with them. And then you can bless somebody with them. You know, you don't want to bless somebody with a booger, an eye booger, you know? <laughs> be blessed. I'm gonna, I feel like I should sow this to you and bless you. And like, um, what am I supposed to do with this? Did you blow your nose on this? Uh, if you take care of something, you have something worth uh, blessing somebody with when you're done. You know, if, if you're sowing something that's got boogers and holes in it, that's not a blessing. Amen. All right. It's 
fire up the tractor again and plow through. We'll just plow around that rock. Make it look like a Japanese Zen garden or something. <laughs> there was stewardship from the very beginning. Adam's failure at stewardship got him and his wife kicked out. How about that? How about we say this? Your laziness is training your replacement. I've said that a few times. Adam's failure to steward the garden got him kicked out. I wonder what our failure to steward will do to our lives. Demote us maybe? Cause us to be looked over? Cause us to be passed over? Cause our boss to promote somebody ahead of us? Cause God to send blessings to somebody else, not us? Cause our kids to go to hell if we're not good stewards over our kids? I want you to see very clearly, Adam's job was to guard the garden. And here comes a serpent. Whether it's a snake or a demon, we don't care. You know, we know it was Satan, whether it was in a serpent form or a tangible form, and it was just allegorically calling him the serpent. We don't really care, but his job was to be a steward and to guard that garden from lies. And he didn't do it. It's just too hard because he had to stick up to that woman. He had to put his foot down and be in unity with his wife. And sometimes, you know, whatever we can do just to keep the peace. Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace. Some of you men need to grow a backbone and actually lead your wives. That's stewardship too. And Adam, Adam didn't have a backbone, so therefore he lost his garden and his home. And it does the same thing for us today. He got kicked out and ushered in 4,000 years of sin's dominance. So, gosh, that escalated quickly. We go from just being a little lazy to now all of a sudden sin gets to reign for 4,000 years. Because one guy was too lazy to put his foot down and say, this is how it's going to be in this garden. God's given me direction. As a woman, there's a million other trees in this garden we can eat from. We too lazy to walk 20 feet over here? We too lazy to blow our nose before we wipe it on the keyboard? We too lazy to have a budget? We're too lazy to wash our car? We're too lazy to get the trash out of it every three days? Now, obviously, you trashing your car isn't going to usher in 4,000 years of sin's dominance. <laughs> we'll just be able to know how much sin washes over you, though. I, I, wanna, I'm gonna, I may tell Jeff and the, uh, the jail ministry guys to do like a little survey for me, because I, I live out Bangham Highway there, Bangham Dips, what, I don't even know what the road's called. I just, that's where I live. And uh, that's where the Putnam County Recycling Center is out there. And so this time of year, it looks like the Nigerian highway because trash just blows and it irks me. I, it's such a beautiful stretch of highway and yet there's just trash everywhere. So I'm already making phone calls, got to call the sheriff. Can we get some criminals out there to pick up this trash? But I'm willing to bet if we were to do a survey in the Putnam County Jail, how many of you guys, you just, it doesn't bother you throw trash out your window. I guarantee you every one of those guys in jail, that's something they do on a regular basis because it's poverty, it's lazy. So then I don't have a problem with them being out there in the cold, wet rain picking up their trash. But you see the laziness. You see the laziness. You see the laziness. Stewardship will not exist where there's laziness. And every one of us has flesh. Therefore, every one of us must contend with laziness. And this whole Facebook and, 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 and technology generation doesn't make it any easier. Most of these this young generations are going to die and never have experienced anything beyond three feet in front of their face. They've only seen pictures in the palm of their hand, never even realized that they lived in a beautiful region. This all speaks of stewardship or poverty. We've got to be willing to do something better. Amen. Stewardship. 
destined to grow. If you can learn how to be a good steward, though you will start off small, you will be destined to grow and increase into greatness. We must keep in mind everything we have has been given to us of God. It is all his, therefore we must be faithful over it if we desire to see greater things. Now, it's one thing to sit there and say, I want better, I want better, I want better. Well, what are you going to do to get it? What are you going to do to get it? What are you going to do to stop hovering around this mountain of your life? It's going to take stewardship. Now, again, the whole theme of this, these eight weeks is money, but stewardship applies to everything. Do you want a better marriage? What are you willing to do to get it? If you're lazy in your marriage, you will not have a better marriage. Second law of thermodynamics says any closed system without the entrance of outside energy will decay. Your marriage is a closed system. Without the outside input of extra energy, your marriage will decay. Your money, your bank account is a closed system. Without you putting in extra energy, your money will decay. Your body, if you don't put in energy and discipline it, it will decay. This takes work. This is all stewardship. Even your house, build a brand new house, let it sit. It will decay. It has to. It's law. But if you keep putting energy into it, that thing can maintain for thousands of years if you want. When I was in Poland several years ago on a mission trip, we, we, uh, we did a medical outreach in a house that was 400 years old. It wasn't a castle, it was just a house, timbers. And I remember we drove up to it. I thought, this thing is twice as old as my country and it's a house. And this house will probably outlast my country because our country's decaying because nobody wants to put the energy into it. We're just going with the flow, making people and their flesh and their laziness and their poverty happy. Amen. Zechariah 4.10a, which is the first part of the verse, who hath despised the day of small things? This scripture is in reference to Zerubbabel rebuilding the temple. Yeah, after the Babylonian captivity, Zerubbabel was sent out with a contingency of men and they were commissioned to rebuild by Cyrus, king of Persia, to rebuild this temple, Solomon's temple. And it was very daunting and very discouraging and it was gonna take a long time. In fact, Zerubbabel got very discouraged. So the, God, the Lord God raised up a prophet, Zechariah, to say, hey, don't quit. Don't, don't worry about these small days. It'll pick up steam. It'll get bigger. It'll get better. This was a daunting task and could only be accomplished one foundation stone at a time. It took many years and a lot of hard work and faithfulness. The beginning work was called the day of small things. Now in this generation, we graduate college and we wanna be millionaires by the time we're 26. And we know people think that way because they run their credit cards up through the roof trying to fake it till they make it and all they are is a fraud. And what I'm trying to do is teach all these new college students, get a budget. Live beneath your means. You're coming off of beanie weenies and ramen noodles. Live like that the next year, you'll have 30 grand in the bank. And your, your body can handle those preservatives and the sodium because you're 23. But a lot of these college kids, they have no fiscal responsibility, so they come out making more money than they ever dreamed of because they were college kids off of tuition or a scholarship. And all of a sudden now they're buying brand new cars that they can't afford and they're buying brand new flat panels and, and houses and they can't afford it and they're broke. They despise the day of small beginnings. They want to be like their parents, but their parents took 25 years to get there. Amen. That's good preaching. They want to be like their parents overnight, but they forget their parents took 25 years to build that wealth with investments and living beneath their means and saving and stockpiling and, and going without. I think, I suppose I have a lot of stewardship in me because my dad is a very shrewd steward. My dad is, is in a sense, just an engineer, 
You know, he has a master's and he has an MBA from Louisiana Tech or LSU. But all of our life, we always live, I look back now and realize we live way beneath our means. And that was really hard on a kid living in the rich part of town. Because, you know, I was wanting to keep up with the Joneses that all went to hell. But dad said, that's not wisdom. And so we lived way beneath our means. And so by the time I got ready to graduate high school, my mama told me, son, you can go to college anywhere in the world you want to. Dad has enough money saved. But if you want him to pay for it, (laughs) you're going to go to a college east of the Mississippi. Oh, so good news and bad news. I go to college anywhere in the world that I could get into because that has enough money saved up, but it has to be east of the Mississippi. Does that mean Switzerland? That's technically east of the Mississippi. I wanted to go to a college out in Montana and be a hippie. And, and to this day, my parents are very, 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 very wealthy just through investments, having always lived beneath their means. My mom actually, she just recently said, she said, I think your father has 90 cents of every dollar he's ever made saved. And I told my wife, that's not true. It's probably 80 cents. (laughs) Amen. Many Christians stay poor because they despise the day of small things. They don't learn to be faithful over the little things. They despise them and scorn them, always looking for a way to get rich quick, get big quick, or build the temple overnight. Stewardship requires patience. Amen. Patience. We have a lesson coming up on contentment. Contentment is so necessary for stewardship. You've got to learn contentment. And the more you run with secular heathen, the less content you'll be because they don't have any control. They don't have any restraint. All they have is joy feeding themselves. And as soon as they're done digesting it, they have no more joy. So they have to go spend more money. They have to go buy something else. They have to go do their hair another funny color. They have to go do this. And, and, uh, remember a couple of years ago with the feathers in the hair was popular. Yeah, that, that lasted all of about six weeks. And then I'm not against fads, but come on, feathers, you look like a chicken. I wasn't going to say that to anybody running around here, but I was like, come on, seriously, where did you get that? You got that off of Steven Tyler off American Idol because that weirdo, that big mouth, tried to tone down that mouth by putting chicken feathers in his hair. Where did we get that inspiration? Where did we spend that money? $27 put a chicken feather in your hair to look cool. Why don't you put that money in the kingdom? We had a couple of little girls running around here with chicken feathers in their hair. And me as pastor, I got to be tactful. But in my heart, I'm saying, my little girl ain't never putting chicken feathers in her. That looks retarded. Get that off of American Idol. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) It brings you joy because you don't walk with God. If you walk with God, having food and raiment, therewith you're just content. Amen. What does stewardship look like? Let's run through some verses now. Faithfulness. Stewardship looks like faithfulness. What does that mean? Stewardship is the act of being found faithful over another man's belongings. You've got to realize, before we're done with this, I will fully convince you that everything you own is God's. Your shoes, your earrings, your watch, your wedding band, your teeth, your eyesight, your ears, they all belong to God. He made them all. And somehow or another, he allowed you to have them. He gave you a job. Your job belongs to God. He, his hand provided that job for you. His hand provided that paycheck for you. His hand provided your birth certificate for you. It's all God's. And so stewardship is going to prove your ability to be faithful. And it's going to strip you of selfishness too. Pastor Ingolf always tells that story 
of those guys, um, these missionaries, I don't know the, forgive my lack of history remembrance. These guys, uh, two, 300 years ago, they felt called to be missionaries. The Lord had spoken to them to be missionaries to this group of folks, I want to say in the, the West Indies. And so they, they got upon, this a lot of slave trade was going on. So they got on the ship trying to witness to these guys that were being sold into slavery to the West Indies that they felt called to. But they found out that these, these, um, these slaves would not have them in because what, what do these white missionaries know about us? And so those men sat and prayed and they said, well, if we're called to witness and this is our calling and they won't receive us the way we are, let's sell ourselves into slavery so we can be just like them. And they forfeited all their rights and all their freedoms and they sold themselves into slavery so they could be below deck as slaves with them and went into slavery with them in the West Indies just to fulfill their calling. Because what is their citizenship? Just something that belongs to God. It's okay if I give it back. It's God's anyway. What's that to me? I think what we would do as Americans say, well, we tried for a week, it didn't work. Uh, I'm going back to Connecticut or England or wherever I hail from. We don't realize that everything we've been given is a stewardship and the Lord wants to see us faithful. Luke 16, 12 says, and if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? Be faithful over another man's. Be faithful on your job. Be faithful over your career. Be faithful over the company truck. Take care of it. Take care of your company truck. Uh, somebody, who, someone was just telling me they had company trucks and the boss said, take care of these trucks like you take care of your own. The trucks were still trashed. Then he started looking at all their trucks. Their trucks were trashed. All right, change of rules. Take care of your truck like I want you to take care of your truck. Oh, you mean we have to improve. Amen. You do realize you live in the poorest, seventh poorest city in America, right? Cookville, seventh poorest city in this industrialized nation. It's a mindset. It's not our industry. It's not our education. It's not our agricultural. It's a mindset. We're also, at one point, still a really high-ranked-up meth capital of the country. I want to do some statistical analysis to see what our crime rate is, because I'm pretty sure it's pretty high, too. That just kind of goes in with poverty. But, and, and I'm convinced of this. It's only gotten worse. I go and I look at all the historical pictures of this region 50 years ago. Everybody wore suits and ties and hats. It was an agricultural town, sure, but there was class. There was honor. There was respect. Whatever has taken root here has grown like wildfire. And I was preaching at Pastor G's church a couple weeks ago. I said, the gospel of Jesus Christ has been in this region for 200 years, and you can't even tell. Poverty. Amen. Diligence. Stewardship also looks like diligence. Stewardship is not lazy. Stewardship is eager and dedicated to caring for the things in its possession. When you're a steward, you, you have to know where your stuff is. You have to know what's the condition of it. How good is it? Where is it at? What do I need to take care of it? Is it time for the maintenance of it? Luke and I went in and we bought a deer stand. We got it on sale. We bought a deer stand. We put it out in the DeKalb County property and is Mark Wilson's property. And uh, we hadn't hunted it at all this year. And Mark said, I'd get out there and check on it because uh, it's not just deer that get poached out there 
deer stands get poached too. So we went out there this week and I said, we got to get out there because I don't want that 120 bucks to be wasted on some hick, some thief. So thank God we get out there, the deer stand still in the same place and able to take it home and preserve it, you know? You know, when you're a steward, your mind is always on the things that have been given to you because you know you're going to be judged over them. You're always mindful. Where is it at? Where, where are my children at? Where's the condition of my marriage at? How's my car doing? Do I even know what an oil change is? I always like to tell the story about the woman. She bought the, uh, the when they still made Toyota Supras, they were about 40 or 50 grand the last round. It was like early 90s when they stopped making the Toyota Supras. They may have come out with new ones. I don't know. And her engine seized up. Brand new Toyota Supra. Engine seized up. And uh, she had to have it towed to the Toyota dealership. And uh, they said, well, ma'am, um, when's the last time you had an oil change? She said, do you have to change the oil on this thing? And they said, yeah. She said, well, how many miles do you have on your car? It was about 40,000. 40,000 miles on a $40,000 car, no oil change, just seize the engine up. She had the money to buy a very expensive sports car, but not the stewardship to take care of it. Amen. <laughs> Pastor Vaughn would tell the story about the, uh, the guy that was so hoity-toity. He had to have a Lexus. But then when the headlight went out, it was like two or 300 bucks to replace a Lexus headlight. So he didn't want to spend that money on it. And Pastor Vaughn said, your headlight's out. Yeah, I know. Well, aren't you going to replace it? Cost too much. Well, then you can't afford your car you're driving. If you can't afford to replace the headlight, you can't afford it. That's not good stewardship. That's poverty, trying to fake it and play like it's wealthy. Stewardship is eager and dedicated to caring for the things in its possession. Ecclesiastes 10:18. By much slothfulness, the building decays, and through idleness of the hands, the house drops through. So stewardship is very dedicated. It's not going to allow its house to fall apart. You know, you should take care of your house. You know, you should wipe things down. You know, you should clean out your microwave from time to time. If you don't want to clean out your microwave, just put paper towels over the bowl of SpaghettiOs. So when it burps, it doesn't blow uh, SpaghettiO guts all over the top of your microwave, which you're not going to wipe down. You're just going to nuke for a couple more hours over the next six months and make it into spaghetti-o concrete. And then you'll say, well, I need a new microwave. No, you just need stewardship. Stewardship causes you to not have to replace stuff. Amen. Proverbs twenty-two twenty-nine. 29. Seest thou a man diligent, eager, and dedicated in his business? He shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before obscure men. Uh, yeah, if you want to be promoted, work hard. Uh, Proverbs twenty-seven, twenty-three: Be thou diligent, eager, dedicated to know the state of thy flocks and look well to thy herds. You may not be a shepherd or a pastor like me, but your flocks, that's your family. Your herds, that's your business. Your flocks may be the vehicles you own. Your guns, if you're a hunter and you got a gun collection. You know, you have to take care of your guns. You have to take care of anything. There's nothing worse on a gun than rust, but they, even the gun manufacturer says you should oil your gun once a month. Take it out and wipe it down just to preserve it. You know why you wouldn't do that? Laziness. You have all these guns, so you have money. You just don't have diligence. So therefore, you're rusting away your investment. Laziness. 
Proverbs 12, 10, a righteous man regards the life of his beast, but the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. Now, this one always gets quoted by PETA and the bunny-hugging bunch, ASPCA. See, the Bible says the righteous cares for the life of his beast. See, that you should, you, you should save animals. Yeah, in the freezer to eat for later. This is not talking about saving the bunnies. This is a, this is a verse about mercy Versus no mercy. It says the righteous, he'll take care of his animals. Beast, not his pet. What's a beast of burden? That's your tractor. Now the context of the, it says, but the, the, the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. That means even the wicked have no mercy for anybody. But the righteous, they have enough mercy, they'll take care of their animals. You know, you bring a horse in, you dry them off. You don't put up, road hard and put up wet. You ever heard that expression? Has to do with horses. You ride a horse hard all day, then you put them up without drying them off. So they get cold, they get the shivers, they, they get the flu, they get sick. They, they have horse blankets, you know, so you don't make your horses sick. This verse talks about taking care of the things that make you money. The tender mercies, or excuse me, the the... the the righteous care for their beast, the beast of burden, the ox, the cow, the camel, the horse that does your farming for you. You got to take care of those things because you keep making money with them. If you don't take care of your computer, you don't defrag your hard drive, if you don't despam it, you're junked up. So this is all diligence, 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 diligence. At the zinc mine, when I worked at the zinc mine, we had to do a protocol check every time we took a Kubota 4x4 out into the mine and every time we parked it. Because the mine understood we're mining an uh, ore at a dollar an ounce. Or no, excuse me, a dollar a pound. So we got a thin profit margin here. So we're going to take care of these Kubotas. And that was just one of the many things. So, But before you got into this Kubota, you had to check the headlights, you check all the fluids. We had a checklist. We had to turn it in. How many hours were on the thing? Does, does the, the gate opening, or the, the, the bed open and shut? Uh, what do the tires look like? All the lights working? And then when we parked it, even though we only took out 30 minutes or maybe an hour underground to check on the heading or something, we had to go through the same checklist. All the lights still working? They were having to teach a bunch of bumpkins stewardship because they knew if they didn't require that of us, we would rag those things out. We would jump them off of sweet jumps underground, run them through mud puddles that were five feet deep, which we did anyway. But we would just rag those things out because they weren't our responsibility. And because, you know, Dynatech would replace it. Well, Dynatech didn't want to replace it. They just bought it. Yeah. So, Fortune 500 Mining Company, I think they understood something. Stewardship. That even down at the peon level, you're responsible for the tires on the Kubota. You're responsible for the oil in the Kubota. You're responsible for the condition of the seats that you ride on in the Kubota. And you're not going to trash this. Isn't it amazing mankind likes to hurt itself? Amen. Every man, First uh, Peter 4.10, as every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So even when it comes to the graces and the gifts given us in Christ, we're to be good stewards of those. We can't just sit on our giftings and our abilities in Christ. We have to let the kingdom benefit from them. Thankfulness, let's run through this quickly. St- stewardship is thankful for what it has been given. If you can be thankful for what you do have, you'll take better care of it. If you'll be thankful for what you do have, you will take care of it. If you have no thankfulness for it, you'll trash it. 
Thankful, uh, stewardship does not complain. In Moses' day, Israel did not take care of the manna God had given them. Instead, they complained because it wasn't something better. Because they complained, a lot of them died, bred worms that stank. They got bit by serpents and vipers. They just didn't want to take care of what God gave them. Uh, Numbers 11, 1, and when the people complained, it displeased the Lord, and the Lord heard it, and his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burned among them, and consumed them that were in the uttermost parts of the camp. They didn't want to take care of, in a sense, the word that was preached to them, the manna that was fed them every day. Stewardship is thankful. If you're thankful for your junky car, you'll take care of it. Take pride in that thing. My first job outside of college was for a company called Geotech Engineering, and they gave me this beat-up like 1992 Toyota pickup truck. It was the worst one in our fleet. And I sat on a landfill for six months overseeing the closure of an industrial landfill and running nuclear density gauges. But I took care of that truck. It was clean. It was spotless. I wiped it down. I got all the dust out of it. That thing looked like it had been rolled down Godzilla's throat. (laughs) Trashed. Got pulled over by the police in it once. It was rough. But I took care of it. Because what else you got to do? I don't have poverty in me. I'm not one of these rednecks that says, and throw my trash in the floorboard. I'm like, all right. I don't want to work here much longer. I want promoted out of here. So I'm going to do my best to show the Lord I am worthy of promotion. If that means polishing an ugly truck, so be it. And I only worked that job for two years and got promoted to something much better. I actually got promoted to the company I still consult for. That was in 2001. So take care of your company truck or your own personal car, and God will promote you. Real quick, thing, uh, things we are stewards over. Words. Again, this is general teaching, general introduction to stewardship. Here's a list of everything the Bible says specifically we're stewards over. Anything you'll give an account for, you're a steward over. You'll give an account for every idle word. You're a steward over your body. You only get one of them. When it goes home, you go home. Take care of your body. Uh, this is the New Year's. Americans have to fight weight issues. Weight issues aren't just fat. It's weight affects your cholesterol. It affects your blood pressure. It affects your cardio health. It affects your lung capacity. You only get one body, and when it wears out, you have to go with it. So take care of your body. Your time. The Bible says redeem the time for the days of evil. The days are evil. Take care of your time. Manage your time. Don't let people manage your time for you. They'll always suck time away from you. Ministry, we, uh, whatever our service to the body of Christ is. Our soul, you've got to bring into captivity your thoughts. You've got to harness your emotions. You've got to focus your will and submit your will to the will of God. Your soul is a stewardship. Your children are stewardship. Your spouse is a stewardship. Are you taking care of them? Don't ever let it be said you're a bad parent or a bad spouse. Those are the things that touch your life directly. You ought to master them. If your kids are ignorant, and every kid is, if they live under your roof and eat at your table, you own them. I don't care how old they are. Never let it be said you're a bad parent. Grace, we're good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Mercy, we're stewards over the mercy. We ought to be giving mercy and extending it. Ministry gifts, we're to take care of the ministry gifts. That's the preachers, that's the missionaries, that's the pastors. We'll be judged for how we care for the ministers. They won't just be judged for how they pastor or preach or get into sin. We'll be judged for how we honor them and take care of them. Converts and disciples. Boy, if you get somebody born again, they're your responsibility. Call them up, check on them, disciple them, pray for them. Your faith. You are a steward over your faith. 
because you've received it. But the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. It's his faith that he gave unto us. We are stewards over it. The Bible says your faith ought to grow exceedingly. Anything you take care of should prosper. You take care of your faith, it should prosper. You feed your faith, it should prosper. The Holy Ghost, well, you shall receive the Holy Ghost. Acts 1.8, so we're stewards over anything we receive, we're a steward over. What are you doing with the Holy Ghost? Are you quenching him? Are you grieving him? Are you frustrating him? Are you flowing with him? Are you obeying him? Are you yielding to him? Stewardship. Mysteries of God, we're, we're stewards over the mysteries of God. That means Christ in us, the hope of glory, according to Galatians. Are we a steward over that, telling folks, you, want, you need to be born again? The believer's authority has been given unto us. And then finally, finances. And that is the focus of the remainder of our seven lessons. Finances, everything we get, every dime, every dollar, every penny is God's, every coupon. My wife last night, she just... Um, she, she, there's a toboggan that came in the offering several years ago and she showed it. She said, what do you want to do with this? I said, well, let's give it to so-and-so. They said, she said, I think they gave it in the offering. I said, all right, well, let's not give it to them. She said, I've prayed over this thing several times and I'm tired of moving it around. I said, well, I probably will take a mission trip to a cold place at some point. Just save it. We'll just take it and sew it there because it's a stewardship. You know, the, the temptation is to throw it away, but if somebody gave an offering, we don't want to throw this thing away. Somebody sold it to the kingdom, so I'm going to sit on it until I get someplace cold where somebody could use a good hand-crocheted toboggan. It's pretty cool looking. I would have worn it back in the day, but I'm not that hippie anymore. You know, you know it's, it looks Scandinavian, so I need to get to a Scandinavian country or something. It's a cool toboggan. I used to actually ski with one identical to it when I lived in Seattle. Anything in our hands is a stewardship, and we have to ask God, what do you want me to do with this? My prayers through this teaching, we would all become better stewards of the things that God has given us. Luke's nineteen seventeen, And he said unto them, Well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in a very little, have thou authority over ten cities. In the end, if we can be faithful, the Bible promises us we'll have great leadership in the millennial kingdom. He said, You are faithful in a little, I'll make you ruler over ten cities. That's quite a promotion. You can be faithful over the little bit you have now. There's no telling what the Lord Jesus Christ will put you over in the millennial reign of Christ. That's why this is so critical to us, not just to enjoy life now and have nice things now, but so that your life will get better in the, in the millennial kingdom. Amen? Father, I thank you for our time here this morning. May these lessons bless those that listen to them now and in the future. May people learn stewardship and learn how to be entrusted with greater things. Promote us, Lord, as you find us faithful. In Jesus' name, amen.